tonight justin i'm coming in hot so um, this is the weight the patrick klepik stuff no okay no we don't, um this is uh so one thing we don't we don't uh brag about ourselves much okay we don't really sure talk about uh even what what is good about our show uh-huh but i do want to maybe say one put one point in our favor okay um i tried like two different podcasts this week yeah and immediately like dropped them like super fast Mm -hmm. and the reason for both and then there are other podcasts that i know a lot of people like that i just can't get on board with is there are some people on podcasts who just like maniacally laugh the entire time yeah and i am not going to even have the take that they are pretending that they're faking yeah i'm gonna go with the positive read that that like podcasting is probably the most fun these people have right and i think that that is something that i just don't look for in my podcast i want the people i listen to to kind of see podcasting as like a side activity that's mildly amusing that won't have them giggling uncontrollably throughout Mm. all of it um and i think we nail that you know i think (laughs) i think that Uh we kind of we do this as a as an excuse to have this time together sure uh but it's more like therapy you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it's, so it's like therapy. It's like you don't go to a therapist and like hysterically laugh with them. Right. All hour long. Yeah. Nobody says the number one thing I look forward to in my week is my hour long therapy session. But it's just something that you go to and do. It's a part of your life, part of your day. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that's what I look for. I don't look for people who are like, finally, my life has started. We're doing this podcast and now I'm just sure. going to have the best time ever. Right. The you reins know? are off. The reins are off. I can giggle all I want, laugh, chortle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that we, it's more, it, it's more notable when we do uh, laugh. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we bring. Okay. Which so given the podcast that people like is, is unique surprisingly unique sure my second question has there ever been something that you saw on the side of the road that you literally thought i'm gonna pull over and go pick that up Mm, no i don't think so have you ever picked something up off like even a sidewalk and kept it Are you going to tell me like a like a squirrel carcass? I found an entire pack of unopened red starburst at a high school that I was cutting the grass at in the middle of the road. And I opened those up and ate them. 
<laughs> but you just walked out to the that road and grabbed That was probably my biggest victory. I drove by it on my mower. And did you just like scoop or did you park your I mower? Dro- and get- no, I parked. I yeah. drove by it and I thought I saw an unopened pack of Starburst. <laughs> so I stopped my mower and then walked it into the parking lot and grabbed them and saw, hey, this is completely unopened. So that, that does answer the first me. question. Yeah. You did pull over and pick something sure, up. Sure. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was driving here tonight and I saw like a beanie. A very large, you know, even with like the puff on top mm-hmm. of it, and it was like seventy six, like it was like Philadelphia seventy sixers. I have no idea, but it popped into my head. I'm like, I'm gonna pick that up. Like, yeah. I don't know why I had an urge to pick that up. I don't even wear hats like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even like the seventy sixers. Um, yeah, but yeah, which I, how can you not like the seventy sixers right now? The great, yeah, the most exciting Joel. team in the NBA. Embiid. Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think you just saw I think that's why. Maybe it's like yeah. unconsciously. Yeah. I, I am like a huge Sixers it's fan. The I was like I'm responding to the Zeitgeist. Yeah. That that is a deeply disturbing psychological picture in my mind. That all I need to do is see it's dark. Mm-hmm. It's I w- it's a um it was in the median of like two lanes, two lanes. It's not even like a residential street mm-hmm. and i still wanted to pick you up that's how much i want to be accepted yeah by people <laughs> look i got i got a 76ers right. beanie <laughs> yeah. like me sure well i saw something on the road so to speak the other day i was riding my bike to work and i was riding down damn neck mm-hmm. right and I see whiz by me an H3 Hummer, right? Big, expensive car. Very expensive. You have to have a lot of money to own this car, right? Yeah. It is bright candy yellow, the mm. whole thing. Super glossy yellow, right? On the back, where it has the spare tire mounted to the back, uh-huh. it has a cover on it. And that cover is a giant goggled minion eyeball. So this guy who has a lot of money bought a yellow Hummer specifically to make it look like a minion. Presumably an adult, right? Right. Who has enough money to buy an $80,000 car Right, because how much those things cost. I don't think your three-year-old is going to be that (laughs) taken with your minion Hummer. Right. So it made me realize or it made me it just instantly in that moment my first thought was somebody needs to do something about that guy right that guy that somebody should needs to not slash those that tires. should not be allowed you it slash his tires right and so i think it's time for a taste police force in our country mm. and the first thing on the chopping block forks is well i'll get and to then that. yeah is anything minion-themed for an adult. If you're an adult, you are no longer allowed to own or have anything minion-themed. What's the penalty? The penalty is... I don't know. You know I'm you taking know, your eyeballs out of your head. You know what the penalty has to be? Like, full minion immersion. 
where you are kept up at night Mm -hmm. by all the despicable me, just the minion parts in the minion movies, like turned up full volume in a cell. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to sleep. Uh, It's minion iconography all in your cell. And you, you have to spend 36 hours in that cell. Yeah. And then. I mean, I think honestly for that guy, the punishment is for the next five years, you have to work a minimum wage job. You are no longer allowed to be in a living situation where you can afford to frivolously buy minion stuff. What if you had just like a taste squad? And it's exactly. Just, it's just a bunch of like uh, comedians and they just mercilessly make fun of you. Right. Uh, and you have to listen to it. Just other grown adults. Yeah. Just mercilessly mock you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like uh, a queer eye, except they have local and federal authority to punish you, right? (laughs) So So, I started thinking of the other things that would be on this banned list. Before we move away from this guy, I do want to put out there, are you ready for that guy to get hauled before your court and him say like, my there's something you know happened to my child who loved minions this is a a monument to them well a testament to their life and what they love i can't accept it it's unacceptable it's unacceptable you have a harsh court i'm sorry i am (laughs) off board i want to make that clear but go on with your list okay so here's my here's a couple other things that came to mind so the minion guys on there minions as adults which and I'll say, look, this is this strikes close to home because I don't think I've ever heard my mom laugh as hard as she was laughing when she watched the Minions movies with my daughters. So this is just because your she mom was, has accepted she was howling the Minions more than she's ever accepted <laughs> your comedy. <laughs> OK, so the Minion stuff. Uh-huh. Anyone. Who was convinced by the dancing hamster commercials to buy a car. That person is no longer allowed to buy cars. And and they have to like willingly admit it. Like they're proud of it. Right. I mean, yes, there's some process of figuring this out. But if they're like, oh, hey, I bought this Scion or whatever those cars are because I saw that commercial because I was I just loved it when those hamsters showed up to the red carpet in tuxedos. Right. If that convinces you to go buy a car, you are no longer allowed to own. You're no longer allowed to drive any vehicle. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see what else is on the uh, perfume that smells like food. Is that a thing? Yes. You've never smelled some girl who sprayed like donut perfume on. And never. She smells like perf like donuts. Never. It's a thing. Trust me. Never. That's on the list. Where have you come in contact with a girl smelling like donuts? Places. I, I trust me. It has happened. It it it's a thing. Like waffle perfume. Oh. Or like maple syrup perfume. Can I can I jump in really quick? There's something else. It sounds to me like you're missing something really big about that. Like 
you're missing looking at her right hand, which is holding like four donuts. <laughs> no, um, I'm telling you. You, we talked. Even perfume that smells like fruit. It's off. It's it's on the list. No more. <laughs> what about shampoo? That smells no. like fruit. Yeah. Nope. You're done. Well, that's no shampoo. Nothing. The only thing that should smell like fruit is the fruit that you're eating, and that's it. Your your court it is turning. It doesn't need to be fetishized into shampoo or perfume. Your court is turning from the common good into uh, just make it smell like flowers. Maniacal. Why is that so bad? Well, if you have to have a smelly shampoo, just make it smell like flowers. Fruit are flowers. Fruit is food. For some people, if you eat it, it is. It should not smell. You should not. I should not have the smell. I shouldn't have to smell it. If you eat it, I shouldn't have to smell it. <laughs> we talked about Call Me By Your Name. And you said that somebody talked to you, your wife and said it's a good family film. Right. It, no, no, no meant, she, she clarified. Yeah. The director said that in an interview. Yeah. It's a movie about family. Okay. That I agree with. All right. Not family-friendly film. He wasn't saying that. He said, this is a film about family. Okay. Well, that's why I was asking for clarification. I may have dropped the ball, but the way okay. that you presented it to me did make it seem like they had said family friendly. So, okay. Next that. on my list, yeah. uh, Starbucks. Whole Period. stop. They have a good rewards program. What can I say? Uh, okay. The stick figure family bumper stickers. I'm way ahead of you. Not on the list. But because, like I said before, I feel like I can't be too upset with that because that is a person who loves their family so much that they feel the need to represent them as a bumper sticker. But which the person who loves I strawberries may, so I much. May, yeah, but that's that's a gross, like I said, that's a gross fetishization of food, of like the obsession that our culture has with food. I'm not on board with that. Loving your family, look, I don't agree with representing them as stick figures on your car, but more power to you. I don't care. But any variations of that are not allowed. Only dogs and cats, right? If you only have dogs and cats, not allowed. Uh, all AK-47s, <laughs> not allowed. Zombies, not allowed, right? Mm -hmm. The ones where it's like one stick figure family destroying another stick figure family or whatever, not allowed. Okay. Okay. Uh, at a certain point, once these laws are enacted, or once this group is created... There will be a end date for the creation of all new podcasts. <laughs> no more podcasts after a certain point. But we're grandfathered in. Exactly. <laughs> right. And then maybe that's lifted down the line. But for a good five to ten year stretch, no new podcasts. Um, How about just banning maniacal laughter? I mean, I'm sure it's good for some things. If, you're, if your laugh goes longer than two seconds, that needs to be edited out. Maybe. I don't laugh for two I, seconds. I don't agree with that. I don't, I don't agree with that. Your court's bogus. Um, there will be a cutoff date, cutoff age, uh -huh. slash thickness, for old guys with long hair. 
So after a certain age, it's got to go. Or once it starts getting a little too thin, it's got to go. It, mandatory, right? Mm-hmm. Punishment for that is obvious. You get your hair cut. <laughs> and then <laughs> you have to check in with a I, barber every six weeks. I love this like authoritarian like future <laughs> where you have like crying old men with ponytails. Right. And you have... People being forced to scrub off their uh, their flower family uh, and exactly. people having their hair washed it's in gone the too street. Far. We're, it's gone too far. Some of this stuff has it's just run away from us. That's it. We just need to reel it in just a little bit. That's it. And and out of this, these may what sound you, extreme, but what? really, I'm just edging. I'm just edging it back a little bit. These are the first movements of freedom. I mean, this is it. These are <laughs> exactly. the baby steps, you know? Uh, yeah, I want to know what kind of utopia comes up. It's just like a black market full of fructose. Like, what's that fru- fructis shampoo? Yeah. And um, shut them down. Okay. I've got three more. Okay. Shirts with curse words on them. I'm I'm on that. Yeah, yeah. gotta go. It's n- it's not needed. No one cares about how edgy you are. Right. Your shirt's not funny enough. Right. For that. Keeping with the clothes theme, matching clothes for families. And I'm not talking about like costumes or themes. I'm talking about going to wherever. In the month of December and seeing a husband and a wife and a baby all wearing the exact same red and black plaid shirt. Right? Mm. The punishment Rip for that is I take your baby away. <laughs> right? It's, it's extreme, right? Dude, this one is a, is, is a no-go. Uh, <laughs> so it's like child abuse. Which, yeah, exactly. Which is like, it seems extreme, but like, you know, once it's out there and it's very obvious what it is, you do the time, you do the crime, you pay the time, right? Right. Okay, last one. You got, you got to get that saying down or right. else this whole thing <laughs> right. is not happening. I'm just spitballing here, when, right? when you're in front of Congress and you're wrapping up, it's just like <laughs> when we were talking about like high school arguments, you can't fumble that line or else they'll just laugh you out of uh, the... um. Where do they meet? Government, Where does Congress meet? Right. <laughs> Government hall. Right. Okay, last one. And this one may hit a little too close to home for you. Oh. No more. Mm-hmm. This one I'm, I'm willing to workshop a little bit. No more Harry Potter references. There's been enough. You look at Twitter right now and everything is, this person is just like blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's like half a, how many, it's like 50 million people have never read any book other than Harry Potter. That's right? probably true. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, read something else. Like, it's either that, they, it's either they're okay. gone altogether, or you have six months after reading a Harry Potter book to make any Harry Potter reference you want to make. After that, no more. You either have to stop comparing things to Harry Potter or you have to read a different book. 
this is coming from the guy who couldn't finish a book because he kept falling asleep. You know how hard <laughs> it is. I did finish that book. Yeah, but you had to switch over to audiobook. You know how hard it is for people to read a book. I'm just saying. It's a big ass. Ten years after you finished Harry Potter, you should not still be comparing everything to Harry Potter. I, Mix it up a little bit. I'm going to say, you know, I enjoy these, but I think that you've been on a run of just kind of from forks to, you know, even your your mild take on Annihilation. I think you've been just on a bad streak. We got to turn this around. For next week, we got to do a softball right down the plate. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can workshop something that you can just absolutely kill that isn't basically cracking down uh, authoritatively on your tastemakers and having those be so representative of your take on the world that it's hard to even convince the person who is most on your side in most things. Mm-hmm. Uh, me. I'm a, I'm an easy sell and that, that was a, that, that's a hard no. So we, we got to turn this around. We, yeah, we'll, but that's because you love Harry Potter. We can, we can, you know what? Maybe next week you can do a hot take on not changing. every bad guy is, Maybe we could change the Harry Potter bad guy. The color of stop signs. Why? Do you want to get behind that? No, that doesn't make any sense, though. Well, no, what I'm saying is that's. I'm encouraging people to read. (laughs) Ultimately, is what I'm doing. (laughs) Oh, man. I I just can't wait till everybody just switches over and reads like Percy Jackson, and you're like, no Percy Jackson books. Yeah, young adult novels will be (laughs) on the list somewhere. I haven't worked that out. (laughs) explicitly but they are on there they are on the radar okay speaking of forks i want to move into corrections quickly before i do that regular segment right before i do that i was at we went to i took the girls to the fun forest today Mm mm-hmm there was a baby at the Fun Forest, two-year-old little girl, who was named Glycerine. 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 Those people will be arrested by the taste police. <laughs> and their baby's name will be scrubbed, and they will have to call it whatever I decide, or whoever is in charge. Um. Yeah, they could they could call it a Nirvana song. Right, exactly. Teen Spirit. <laughs> they could call it call it Teen Spirit. There you go. Okay. Forks. Now, I just want to give the disclaimer that I am not that into the forks argument, even though I'm bringing it up weeks later. That's what I'm saying. We got to give you an easy <laughs> win here. Go on. But one thing that I wanted to bring up, really my biggest point that I forgot to mention in bringing it up, is that spoons can do anything that forks can do the same, if not better, except for eating long pasta. Salad. I could eat a salad with a fork. Yeah, exactly. With a spoon, I mean. Oh, no, you said it. You said it. I win. I could eat a salad with a fork. With the spoon. Yes, you did it again. <laughs> but no, but that just speaks to you how ingrained fork culture is. That, and that's my whole point. They're not as useful for the, for the stature that they have in our kitchen. They're everywhere, and they're not that useful. 
I could eat a salad with a spoon easily. Maybe not. Well, I could eat a salad with a spoon easily. Maybe the <laughs> maybe the maybe the lettuce uh-huh. needs to be cut up a little bit more. Yeah, who but wants that? But that's it. But that's it. Think about when you do eat a salad. What do you get? You get the lettuce. That's it. And then after you're done eating your salad, you're left with like half a pound of toppings at the bottom of your bowl because that does you can't get them with the fork. Salad, steak, steak. Almost you any cut meat. up a steak into small enough pieces that you could just put it on a spoon. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This isn't a correction. This is a this is a further it's defense an of it's an yeah, addendum. It's an addendum. It's not a correction. It's a correction because I left it out of my initial <laughs> argument. This is just going to keep building uh, as we go on. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say that that was the point that I left out, and I think that makes the whole case. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up: two things. Fortnite. Uh-huh. Actually, I do want to talk about the waypoint thing, so I'll save the Fortnite point for last. Okay. Changing your Twitter handle. Uh-huh. This is the second time you've said it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the second time you've been wrong. Yeah. You have not ever actually changed uh, your Twitter handle. Oh. You changed your name uh-huh. on Twitter. Your Twitter handle is still at things come right. Oh. Well. But I your see. name is now his dudeness. <laughs> Just like before, well, a long time ago when you said you changed your Twitter handle to whatever that noise Fergie was making when she did cartwheels. No, no, no. <laughs> right. Your Twitter handle was still actually things come right, but your name was no, no, no. <laughs> right? So that is a distinction that needs to well, be made. Well, I don't know. Not to, I changed, uh, not to Bob Garfield you. Yeah, I changed something. Right, you changed your name. A change was made. The Twitter handle is whether the it's at a part. handle or a name. Who can be sure? Who can ever really be sure about anything in this life, Justin? Okay, something so changed. Fortnite. And this is this was the uh, this is the other correction I have. We had a slight disagreement last week on whether or not you use a hoe or a pickaxe in Fortnite. You absolutely one hundred percent use a pickaxe, not a hoe. And I'm now convinced you have no idea what a hoe is. No, I, I honestly, I use that for effect, trying to display the wide gap in Fortnite between the cartoony stylings of Fortnite. Uh-huh. There's a bomb that makes people dance in right. it. And their use of scars, which is a real assault rifle. No, I you get know? that. So, but yeah, at so, the end, you yes. said that your player uses a hoe to break so, stuff. So listen, the hoe was for effect because a pickaxe still is in the vein of those okay. weapons. I wanted to... It, it, the, 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 in my mind, Fortnite so cartooned up those aspects of it. That it might as well have been it a It might hoe. as well have been a hoe. I it see. might as well have been a, a stop sign. I don't know why I'm obsessed with stop signs tonight, but... Okay. All right, so can we talk about the waypoint thing? Sure. Because I think it's interesting. Everybody else is. Apparently. <laughs> so you, you so how did you um contact Patrick Klepik? You so, emailed him? Yeah. So it's like any time I've ever emailed some podcast or writer, which is very rarely. It has been at a perfect moment when some things aligned. So, uh, Patrick Klepek, a writer for Waypoint, 
um, sent out a tweet and basically was like, if you're a parent or a teacher with kids who play Fortnite, message me or email me. I want to write about the game's popularity, how it got so popular. Just so happened, he tweeted that. I think it was like on a Monday. He tweeted that. The very weekend that my son started playing Fortnite with his cousins. And it was after a full weekend of them playing. I'd never experienced that before in my life. And it was a Monday where I was reflecting on what I just heard, Mm -hmm. which was... Literally the night before when we said, Indy, it's time to go to bed, he ran up to us and was so excited. He was like, I headshotted somebody with my technical shotgun. They dropped a legendary assault rifle. I picked it up and I killed everyone with it. (laughs) And I was like, great, son. Go get ready for bed. Now, I do not believe that video games influence violent behavior Uh and he is still welcome to play Fortnite. I was in a weird headspace though of hearing the language of gun culture being applied to Fortnite, which again is a game that has a grenade that makes people dance and where you can like uh, parachute down using like a parasol from the, from the bus that flies you over the island. Mm-hmm. It's cartoony. There's no blood. It, it's fun. There's building in it. And then there's these real life weapons, you yeah. know? And it's just like a weird uh, dissonant kind of right. uh, feeling, headspace. So I emailed them that. Basically an email stating that. Mm-hmm. And the piece just got published. So that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. And he quoted me, but the parts he pulled were me basically saying, Hey, I think Fortnite's head faking towards children, uh, in the look and then towards adults in the weaponry. Mm-hmm. And I, that was my theory for why it was so popular. I was not necessarily saying like that is a straight bad thing. Or it was like nefarious in any way. Or, or, or nefarious. The question that I ended with that I thought was interesting is would Fortnite be as popular a game if the weapons worked like the ones in Splatoon? Mm-hmm. Where you literally had to make somebody pop because you shot them so much with the paint weapon. Mm-hmm. You know? Where it wasn't a real gun. I don't, I don't know that it would. You know? I think that adults might need that gunplay for them to overlook the inherent silliness of it. That's my, that's my two cents. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't put in. It was just, it was just like, hey, this dad is concerned about his nine-year-old playing a game that uses, you know, uh, real weaponry. Mm-hmm. And so it just, people were jumping on there being like, this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's one guy that said you suck. Right. And there's, one, there's a girl who was like, Something about Ownership. children owning property. Yeah. Who I think might just be like a bot. No, like her no, comment I, doesn't make any sense to no, me. No, I, I think because, I mean, basically, it's weird. Elise and I have talked a little bit about this. There is a weird reaction that I see some parents have where, like, their kid will do something and they're like, I, I can't, 
I can't with this kid. He, right. All they want to do is X, Y, Z. It's like, th- then you take control. You like take the book out of their hand. You turn the Xbox off. You, you know. So I think that she was saying like, uninstall the game. You're in control. Yeah, Don't but, let him play but her a game. Finishing it by saying children owning property is an illusion is weird to me. Well, it sounds to me like, like, like she almost has like a, an Alex Jones level take. She she has a it, it, it's like in work when I hear people say like I want to go to medical school but I want to work in alternative medicine and then I'm just waiting for them to be like is there a crystals course that I could t-? you know what I mean you're like I'm cool if you want to do like other ways of like treating people that are within the boundaries of medicine. Right. I'm not interested in you like getting moon rocks and having people eat the you know ground up sand because it's going to cure their cancer, mm-hmm. you know? But it's like, they're little trigger words. You know, I yeah. feel like for her, like that's the trigger word of like, this is somebody who has a political bent. I don't know what it is. Apparently it's that like kids cannot own property, which is true, I guess. I thought it was interesting because, well, let me go back a little bit. So you said you don't think that violent video games influences violent behavior, right? I I have much of a take that you have, like, more generally, which is there are going to be other factors that are impacting that child more towards violence right. than the games that they're playing. Right. And, I yeah, I would say that maybe on like a statistical level violent video games don't cause violent behavior. I don't think that it's correct to say that it can't do that. Right? Yeah, it's hard to say it, it can't I, for it can a be lot a factor, things. right? Mhm. Whereas where which is where I disagree with this guy that said you suck. Right? <laughs> so you agree he, you agree with the uh you he, suck part. Well, I'll get to that. You're like, okay. But he goes on to be like 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 even like like even um cow even considering that is doing more harm than good and it's just a right wing ploy and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Which I think is ridiculous. I think that is the uh, this the, dismissing it wholesale. The, even the conversation is just as dumb or dangerous as attributing violent behavior directly to violent video games. Right? I feel like considering it at least first of all as an, as a parent, it's a natural thing to do, which I think is probably what more of what your comment was about. Right? Which is just that. He's experiencing these things, and when he relays it back to us, it's very strange to hear him talk in this certain way, right? Yeah. I have no worries about Splatoon causing Sophia to want to buy a gun and shoot up people. Mm -hmm. But it still is very, very strange when she's playing Splatoon, and she says, I killed that guy, or that guy killed me. Yeah. Right? It just is weird. Yeah. And, you know. Talking about that is not some sort of uh, right right wing ploy or whatever. Yeah. Um, can I read really quick? Uh, Patrick Klepik uh, reached out to me. Oh, he did. Yeah, to basically be like, "Hey, are you getting a lot of flack? Sorry, you know, I just want to yeah. make sure that you know whatever." But the last thing that that I said was, um, I said for a while I've been watching the news and screaming more nuance. 
But then when someone actually tries to speak with nuance, it feels like all of a sudden you're watching uh, that guy who walked the tightrope across the Twin Towers and you find yourself thinking, oh God, what is he doing? (laughs) He's going to die. (laughs) Especially with this because I'm not even sure how uh, how to feel, how, uh, how I feel. So a lot of what I say is thinking out loud, hoping someone will join in and help point away. Instead, it's people just waiting to pounce. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, it's this guy who starts off by saying that father sounds like he sucks. Yeah. To which I'll say, first of all, you suck. This guy, you suck. <laughs> I will punch down. Oh, I will you. go to your level and get in the mud and I will say you suck and you can uh, go jump in a lake, right? There you go. And get shot by a... (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) To be fair, he's like the only... Everyone else in there is kind of like, yeah, this is uh, a weird thing. But what I did think was interesting, and obviously I don't know what is what here because I I haven't seen your email, but he gets like a lot... In the small stuff that he clips you from, he kind of messes up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right, like he seems to get like the uh-huh. the ch- the child count wrong. Yeah, and like and like, you know, I was like even in the um, like in the email, I was like, yeah, before coming downstairs, he'll be like, Dad, can you pause it? And like he's like before coming upstairs, right? I was like little things like that. We were like, I think that he perused, right? And I think he, I think he was looking for like, all right, I need somebody now to represent this idea. This does it, and then clip and paste, which, yeah, it's it's fine, honestly. Yeah, but I don't know. That's why I find the whole discussion around violence in video games so strange, because I feel like most gamers are just looking to dismiss it outright, because they don't want to have to deal with it. They don't want that attention on right. video games. But I feel like... Well, they're already stigmatized. Right, they're, exactly. They're, they're fighting an uphill battle. But I just feel like if if I can point to a one movie that I've watched in my life that very directly changed my opinion on war, for the good, I would say, why can that same thing not happen but for the bad, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing with video games, like... I wouldn't, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, a video game has obviously never made me go out in public and attack somebody else, but maybe potentially because I grew up playing video games, which for the most part all have some sort of violence in them, I was, and watching violent movies and generally living in a culture that celebrates violence, I was much more uh i was dulled to you know actual violence that takes place in our side society between police and citizens or just between different you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like to dismiss it outright i think is dumb yeah we we've had debates about like art before and like the power of art but you know, generally speaking, yeah, if art only influenced towards the good, then no bad people would make art and bad people make art <laughs> like they're clearly yeah. trying to influence, you know, or um, 
or like Gamergate revealed a lot of regressive people designing video games. Yeah. That was shocking for a lot of people and had a big impact on their games. Well, I think it was shocking for a handful of people and it was encouraging for a lot of people in <laughs> yeah. the gaming industry, at least yeah. by who was speaking out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but no, I, I, yeah, I think with art, it becomes trickier because I think it does take in a lot more influences than, you know, quote unquote real life. Well, yeah. And I'm not, I wouldn't use any of that to argue that those things shouldn't exist. Right. But I think by dismissing the th- whole thing outright, you're also dismissing this mindfulness that we do need to have. Yeah. Why, why can't we say, you know, um, I'm designing a game that a lot of kids could play. Now, this is, again, this is not referencing Fortnite, but let's say you and I are creating a game, you know, and let, let's say we're going to develop Fortnite. We just don't know it yet. And we're designing Fortnite and we get to the weapon discussion. Is that no place to have the discussion of, hey, do we want to have fun, silly weapons or do we want to have right. real weapons? And let's think through what the potential like impact of that could be. And let's think through why we're going to make this decision versus this other one. You know, mm-hmm. it, to me, it just seemed like the weapons more than any other piece of the game was trying to get PUBG players to play their game. Right. Just saying like, hey. This whole game might feel unfamiliar to you, but there's still the scar. Right. There's still like these weapon sets. They still work largely the same way. Uh, you know, and, and that to me is, again, not something that factors into like gun culture and debates. And the thing that I responded, I just responded, you know, really quickly to the tweet, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. But, but in it, I was just like, hey, honest question. Shooters are not as fun after a mass shooting. True or false? Right. Right? Like, yeah. th- there is some psychological impact that you carry with you in the yeah. games you play. And if there's just been mass shooting, I could see myself being like, you know, PUBG, not tonight. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and that to me reflects somebody who's thinking, not somebody who is politically bent on like, right. you're, you're just a, a shell, man. Yeah. And, you know, so... Yeah, and quick and quickly, the other thing that that the 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 thread reminded me of is the conversation that we've had about can you fully understand something without having experienced it yourself? Yeah. And to me, reading through the comments, it was very clear to me which of these people responding had kids and which did not. And the guy who's just saying, this guy sucks, blah, 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 he clearly does not have kids, right? And even Patrick Klepek, who I don't think has kids, or maybe he has a baby, he was also like, he's overreacting. But it's like, you reach a point, raising kids, where you're obsessing over everything. Not, you know, and, and it's not necessarily reflective of, I want all these things banned. It's just as... You start obsessing over every single little thing that you think could become some kind of quirk in your child's personality. And that's all it is. You know what I mean? I, the, the last thing that I want to say, too, is, again, the, the people don't understand about the nuance of what's actually happening. I don't limit my son any more than he limits himself. Right. 
Fortnite, he determined, was too violent for him when he first played it. I was okay with him playing it. Like, there are movies that I would be okay with him watching that he does not want to watch right. because they're too violent. So, I mean, like, that's the other thing, too, that I think people might miss is your kid doesn't think what you do is as cool as you think it is. So when you think seeing them down at age nine and making them watch Alien, maybe they're going to love Alien. Maybe they're secretly terrified and they're only doing it because you are making them watch this movie, you know? Right. Or, you know, PUBG or whatever. Like, he doesn't like when I play in front of him. So I'm not going to play it in front of him. I don't think that that is like quote-unquote protecting him yeah i'm just respecting him you know yeah and so it just makes me think like yeah guys are you like you you can't just sit there and and respond right like you're you mean this and this whole it's like i'm responding to my child you know so yeah and some of that too is like it's I, i i don't uh i i didn't i didn't stop my daughters from playing wolfenstein because i think it would make them into (laughs) raving killers right it's because well they're too just it's inappropriate it's inappropriate (laughs) but it's also like it's also factors like i don't want to have to i don't want them to have nightmares for a week straight yeah i don't want to have to have the conversation with my daughter's kindergarten teacher because she's talking about like curb stomping people yeah (laughs) you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like there are degrees right in between allowing them to do whatever they want and uh banning all things because it turns them into killers yeah which gets lost in a lot of internet discussion which which again is why i thought i I, tell me if you think that that's true i do feel like it's happened in my own life where i'm like hey listen i think i got a nuanced view i start talking and i immediately i'm like oh god and i feel completely exposed (laughs) because you realize it's hard to do like you you realize why it's easier to just get on camera and be like violence in video games causes violence or Mm -hmm. it does not like it's just easier to yell at each other than to say like well Okay, I mean, you know, because then both sides well, jump right. on here or whatever. It's easier to sort of put your back against the wall and then just try and deflect every single thing that comes your way than it is to stand in the middle and constantly have to sort of move left or right. You know what I mean? With however the argument comes, kind of. I don't know if we want to get into this. It just That just made me think about something, and it's I'm really upset about something related to what we just talked about okay but we, we've talked a little bit about it before okay clear clear point to edit right here i guess all right i ha- have been shocked and surprised at how shocked i've been in reading and watching the response to the march for our lives rallies that mm-hmm. were held across the country and seeing grown people slip in to the most absurd asinine embarrassing ad hominem attacks Mm -hmm. against kids who have survived a school shooting Mm -hmm. and watched their their friends die i don't care if you 
don't agree with their politics. Right. Like to say that they don't have a voice about that or they can't do a march or a rally. Like what what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Yeah. It it is driving me crazy. And there are people that I I'm like, yeah, I'm done with that. Right before I came over, somebody shared a article written by a lady who was like, uh, I carry a gun so I don't have to do the Me Too movement, right? And basically saying, you know, you march for gun rights. You're marching against my safety. Mm-hmm. And nowhere in the article does she talk about, you know, assault style weapons, you know, uh, high capacity clips, um, bump stocks, mm-hmm. raising the age limit that, that will restrict nobody who can just be three years older. And out of you know high school from getting one of these weapons, right? Mm-hmm. Any small little thing, it's just all or nothing. And this was shared by somebody who is like the let me you know like throw my back out, patting myself on the back at how like enlightened I am, while also you know holding this kind of Christian ideology and this you know hip new libertarian you know I'm I get the people mm-hmm. you know politics. And it's so like I I can't I can't not be offended to my core by this crap, yeah. you know? It it's ju- it's shocking to me that that people will just go down this like turd slide all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like at no point are they like, I'm covered in absolute shit. Right. Like I am covered in it and I'm headed towards th- the collection of it all. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just, I'm just going to plunge right in, Yeah, you know, at no point do you think like, whoa, I need to stop a little bit. Like, you know, now people are comparing, you know, David Hogg or, or all the kids that like Hitler youth mm-hmm. national review put out a whole article. Like that is like the leading conservative, you know, kind of thought pipeline, mm-hmm. like demeaning these kids and dismissing them. And it's like all this for your AR 15. You know, yeah. You you can't give that. You can't give that up. Yeah, like I said, I to me, it's just as it's just as sports at this point. People are just they've picked their side and they're rooting for that side no matter what. Yeah. The, the other not, thing they're that, not changing teams. The other thing that I want to call out are the dumb, silent people who will you know reach out to me maybe you know privately about gun stuff or mm-hmm. whatever or will be like yeah you're you're absolutely right and then be dead silent about this stuff mm-hmm. and it's like you you can't sit there and be like yeah man you know i'm i'm totally against this stuff but you know if you say anything 15 of your closest people are going to identify you you know and right. jump all over you yeah. so it's better just to like be silent, skate by, and you know, not not rock the boat. Like it, they hide behind the whole like uh, social media is such a crazy evil place, isn't it, guys? Mm-hmm. Anybody have like any you know normal conversations on right. here? Not me, man. I just opt out, dude. I'm just we're here the to, cat memes. Yeah, we're the cat <laughs> memes, man. I'm just here to like sit with my homies, share my meals, and you know, post pictures of my kids. And it's like you you can't have it both ways. You can't live in a society have retrograde ideas, not put them out there or silently support people that you publicly, you know, don't support. Like Mm -hmm. it's so to to me, social media is just about compartmentalizing. Like I I think that to me may be the thing 
that is most harmful. It's just like people compartmentalize like this is my persona over here and this is my persona over there and never the twain shall meet. Mm -hmm. But it's like if I know that person in real life, that dissonance, like I can't hear them speak anymore. Right. When it's like I've read your tweets, like all I hear is a (laughs) ringing in my ear when you're like talking to me about like whatever you want to talk about, you know? So, I mean, like it's just – it's – unbelievable yeah well i've said i said earlier this week that that is my becoming my favorite part of this whole thing is that i don't know if if you know republicans or people on the right are realizing this but it's becoming crystal clear to me that uh it's it's finally coming to light that like your political beliefs make you a bad person or can make you a bad person. And like, oh, they yeah. seem to be struggling so much now with this idea of like, uh, like there's just all these posts on Reddit where it's like, uh, uh, this girl on Tinder unmatched me because I said I supported Trump. And it's like, yeah, because that makes you an idiot. That <laughs> makes you a certain type of person that people don't want to uh, associate with. Mm-hmm. And, there is nothing wrong with that. Like, that's how it's supposed to work. Like, these beliefs that you hold about how the rest of the world should be treated or how other people should be treated make you a bad person or they can make you a bad person. You know yeah. what I mean? It, and, and it's like, we don't have to just abide by that or look past it because they're just your quote unquote political beliefs. Yeah. Like, that is a core tenant of who you are. Right. And now they're realizing, maybe not realizing, but it's at least coming to like a head that like, I'm not the only person that can impede on your freedom of speech is the government. If you're not being allowed to speak at some sort of rat, like there was a, there's a post on the conservative subreddit that was like, this Parkland student is pro is uh, anti-gun control but he wasn't allowed at march for our lives yeah and it's like yeah because that's it was because it's an it's not it's his a pro-gun control organization it's not a hey everyone come up here and say whatever you want to say yes they have an agenda that is the point of the thing <laughs> an agenda is not a bad thing right that's not it's not like an evil word Right. He's not there because that's not what their message is. Right. And people try to be like, number one, it's a mixture of like the look how mad he is argument where it's like, whoa, man, you're getting way too emotional. I'm just going to back out. I'm going to give you some time to think about it. Maybe we can talk right. again. Just in the hopes like, God, I hope they never talk to me again about that. <laughs> or number two, it's like, man, you're being really intolerant of me, man. You're being, it's like, I'm not rejecting Trump as Trump. I'm rejecting him for very specific reasons. Right. If you really want to sit down, we can talk through them all. Yeah. You know, we, we can sit down. I'll like, I can rattle 15 off right now and then we can go deeper if you want to go more, you know? Right. But they want to try and be like, you're just rejecting all whole hog, man. You're not like, it's like, no, I dislike him for very specific reasons that you don't want to deal with. So you're the one who's actually doing the like rejection just because again, I think you're absolutely right. It's exposing you as like, oh man, I'm a bad person. There's a um, there's a show that I watched that I was a big fan of. Uh, it's BBC, and the whole f- 
show was um from e- from different characters' perspectives. Like any film, like any shot was from a character's perspective mm-hmm. and you could also kind of get their internal monologue. I'm forgetting what it's called. It was on Netflix. But those two guys who did that show, they've done some other stuff. Mm-hmm. But they did one skit. I can't remember is with that show or just separately. But it they were like SS people and they're just like low level. Mm-hmm. And they were slowly like on patrol one night realizing like they're the baddies. Right. <laughs> and he's just like shocked, you know, he's like, are we the bad guys? Right. And I feel like that is kind of what's happening. Like people are like, oh, am I, am I racist? It's like, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, you are. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. This stuff is exposing it yeah. and it's making you like upset, but yeah. You know, um, which transition into our main topic, occults and wild, wild country, mm-hmm. which I think all feeds into these ideas that we're that we're talking about. Yeah, it's it, it's it's one. Of, it was one of those things where it's like it's so crazy and so many things happen that I was like. How have I never mm-hmm. heard about this before? Um, but the question that I wanted to ask you as we got into it is uh, it had to do with the end of the show. So we talked mm-hmm. a little bit about that after you finished watching it. But after it was over, the question that I was left with was did I just watch a six and a half hour long commercial for the Rajneeshi <laughs> for their religion or whatever it is. Right. Because it ends on this very nostalgic. I think you said sort of like upbeat. It's almost like an infomercial at the end. I felt like, uh, I think that they, they give the people who have been giving interviews, they, they give them time to reflect on their experience. And a lot of them are, really nostalgic i don't know that the filmmakers had to do a lot rather than just show them reminisce to have it have that feeling mm-hmm. i don't think that they necessarily come away being like these people are all right i would not have been i would not be surprised if in a week or however long I saw the directors a news article that was like, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, turns out the directors of Wild Wild Country are uh, Rajneeshi or what? I don't, is that what it's called? The religion or whatever it is? Uh, I don't remember. That was something else I was a little lost on because this is about a cult. And admittedly, I was a little in and out on the first episode. But I had no idea what they believed. Oh, that, yeah, that's the thing. Um, that's something that I wanted to talk about. Um, so it was hard for me to classify it as a cult. I mean, I guess the most obvious uh, example is that they all were f- following the teachings of the Bhagwan. But I had no idea what the teachings were. I had no idea what their beliefs were. I just knew that they idolized this one guy. But even his point 
was like, don't idolize me. Right? It's like he didn't consider himself to be special. At least, uh, you know, outwardly. At least in his like, uh, I mean, at least that's what he declared, right? He didn't Rajneesh, act that way. The Rajneesh movement. Right. Rajneeshis. Okay, so th- this goes to my central question, which is what is a cult? You know, yeah. and um, that's something that I was thinking about because, you know, basic the, the basic tenets of a cult are in are found in any group of people who share an ideology. Pretty much, it just to me seems like there are some criteria that set it apart. Um, for me, watching this, uh, cults seem to make it about one person. Um, right. So, at some point, um, because we've so we watch Wild Wild Country. Uh, we did you listen to Dear Franklin Jones? Yeah, I've been listening to it. Yeah, d- there's Dear Franklin Jones, um, and I'm forgetting some other. But anyway, those the, two this American Life episodes. Yeah, but yeah, that wasn't about a cult, really. right? No, no, the, one crazy guy, right? These two, these two things, Franklin Jones and this documentary, right. made me realize like it is about like in the Dear Franklin Jones, the last one I just listened to, it's where he basically comes out and says, "I am God." I am, I am, you know, the truth. Mm-hmm. And same thing here with, you know, the guru. Um, I think as soon as. Does a, he ever say that, though? I always thought that he was like, I'm not the guy. Well, no, but I think that that to me, that seemed to be the thing that they that they wanted him to say. <laughs> like, like that was one of his takes. You know, yeah. I am not the guru. Oh, my God, you're my guru. You know, right. what I mean. Like it's it's that kind of thing. Did you hear about? Um, I also read a a review about um the knife, and they they have a weird like it's just a bunch of letters, but it was like a leadership retreat, and the guy just got arrested. It was like a sex cult, and a lot They're of like called the knife. They they called themselves the knife, and they changed their name to like just some letters, uh-huh. and the guy just got arrested, and. I read a report a guy was doing like a whole audible series about it, mm-hmm. but now that he's going to jail, the, the podcast is off and he was basically just commenting about it. Um, but that too, same thing where it's like these CEOs, like big CEOs went to this guy's retreat for leadership mm-hmm. and you know, he ends up being like, Hey, now it's about me. Like at that point it became a cult. I think mm-hmm. uh, it may, it may be, they're they're doing sex trafficking, so I'm sure some of that stuff was going on, but um before. <laughs> yeah. But in my mind, like there is this point at which the leader, like declares themselves as as the source of truth. But what's what also is weird in Wild Wild Country, you don't get a sense of his teaching, right? You know, it, he basically just used a meditation technique, which is basically get your people to hyperventilate. Right. And then have an emotional response. Like, there's no teaching to that. <laughs> there's just, if you breathe really erratically for a while, <laughs> and then everybody else starts yelling, yeah. magic will happen. Yeah, and it did. Um, so, yeah, it, it, but it seems like the, the second thing, uh, you know, it's about one person, and then it's about power. You know, that I think at the center of all cults, their leader is exhorting power over the people in some way, shape, or form. And in some ways, it's 
it can be very apparent and in other ways it can be more insidious. And I think Wild Wild Country showed both. You know, Rajneesh was both surrounding himself with, you know, the influencers. So he didn't look like the influencer. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, uh, Sheila, who basically was her own cult leader within a cult, mm-hmm. was, you know, doing both types where she was like monitoring everybody and secretly trying to like control everybody just by knowing what they were saying in private and stuff. So it's like, to me, those are the two ways that cults work themselves out. And Wild Wild Country was doing both. So by definition, a cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Mm -hmm. So by that definition, pretty much all religion is a cult. Right? Well, uh, it just seems like the older religions have been around long enough that they make it out of cult status. I was thinking that. I was thinking, you know, like Christians and Jesus. But I mean, how does that not describe Christianity? Well, see, I think that that's the. um, Well, again, I think that's why one reason that I'm trying to decipher like what I mean by a cult and what a textbook definition of a cult is. Right. Because I, I ended up also saying a cult isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because if you just look at the definition, then yeah, absolutely, you know. But mm. it's not just religion, right? It's political affiliation. Yeah. It's all the other things that you put in your life to make sense of the world. You are largely feeding off of somebody else's take. I or, think by or definition, it's a bad thing. No, I would say by definition, it's a bad thing. But read the definition again. Okay, hold on. <laughs> just closed it. <laughs> oh. A veneration of a person or an object. A system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. See, r- r- religious to me is where that gets dicey too. So if you have somebody who would hardcore reject any spiritual affiliation, but ends up saying that they deeply believe in socialism. You would say, who's socialism, right? Yeah, socialism's not a person. Exactly. They would have to be referencing somebody before them who is articulating a way of establishing a society around which principles or ideas. a, A core system of ideas. Right, right. But I think that a lot of times, which is, you know, you look through the uh, history of just, you know, movements, Leninism, Marxism, whatever it is, right? Yeah. You, you have these schools of thought. You have these, uh, you know, figures who come to represent a new way of thinking, of teaching, Aristotle, whatever else, right? And we are influenced by those figures in ways that sometimes we can't even decipher, but we just end up being like, oh, I... I agree with Socrates in his argument style because I ask a lot of questions. Like that's like the Socratic method, you know, that's how I argue or whatever. Now, 
those kind of ideas come from a figure that I may then want to read, learn more about, and in ways come to venerate, especially if they're not alive in my lifetime. Now, the religious aspect, that's where, again, I think it gets dicey. Like, what are we talking about? Like, as soon as you light a candle, as soon as you, like, honor somebody's birthday or the day that they die, have they now moved into a a religious fixation? Or if I get a tattoo of somebody? Like, Mm -hmm. there are clearly people who, you know, their God is Trump, you know, by the way that they talk and live their life and venerate who they venerate and i would say the i i would say to me the difference is is when that person becomes infallible right i can read all of Karl marx's writings and read all about his life and and ascribe and subscribe to a bunch of his core ideas but I can also recognize the faults in those ideas or the faults in his personality or, or in some of his actions or whatever. Right. To me, the cult aspect comes into play when it is someone who is ride or die for (laughs) Trump, no matter what he has done, nothing wrong. He can do nothing wrong. He will never do nothing wrong. Yeah. So, but I think then my, my thing is, you know, if you take your, your idea of a cult that even in my own life, if I look at it, I can say, I, my veneration or admiration for Jesus does not lack in a nuanced take over how that is being delivered to me, you know? through millennia written texts that have holes right mm-hmm. that i think some people turn to religion to help make sense of the world help make sense of their experience um in a way that makes sense to them sure and does not have a uh negative connotation of cult right like when I think of cult, I think of a destructive force. But if we just say a veneration of a figure, well, I can say like I venerate a figure, but I also am not like blind to the fact that a lot of our takes on this guy are secondhand accounts. And I believe that I have no idea what he looks like, you know, yeah. which I think is one of the benefits because, you know, anytime that you have a connection to a religious figure it all falls apart like joseph smith where you're like oh oh that guy (laughs) i know what he was about like clearly to me the unquestioning nature is is what is bad to me is what makes it bad to me Mm -hmm. the the lack of skepticism is what makes it bad to me yeah but see so i think but i think that there there's a there's a nuance that has to be interjected there where you cannot say or else you do get these people who are like islam is a religion of of hate and violence mm-hmm. you know or christianity is a cult because it venerates a figure or an object or whatever right right and it's like no people can take those things they 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 can run with those things they can also run with all sorts of other things right uh i think religion has given cover for a lot of people you know, who are running their own race uh, to take some people down with them, you know, but I would not feel comfortable saying that 
religions as a whole are cults any more than uh-huh. you know right veganism vegetarianism like these are all these can be movements filtering no, down no, through one well, way I mean, of understanding who is or, vegan veganism is not a person no but i mean like you know if you even want to say like an object or and what, what i might well, be object saying object is part of the definition yeah no that's what i'm saying like veganism's but, not an object though it's a set of ideas no no what, what i'm trying to say though is there are strains within those that can be traced back to somebody who is espousing sure. a religious identity or whatever for why you are vegan right so it's like i am i am doing this because this guy said this thing and it convinced me i'm not changing my life for it i am following his teachings on, in this area of my life now is it positive or negative you know positive generally speaking is it a cultish fixation well i mean if he's affecting everything you eat you know, that's that's pretty uh, uh i i don't know I, I think the difference is that you're talking about one person obsessing about one other person you know what i mean you're not like like i said veganism is a set of is a is an idea it's not a person right people can approach veganism differently whereas there's depending on who you ask i mean there's like a generally agreed upon way of how to be a christian uh i don't know that that's true can you be a christian without believing that jesus christ was the your lord and savior well no no, you have to believe that yeah yeah but but i think i think what, what i'm trying to get at is in in terms of of the 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 negative or harmful aspects of a, like are you still re- reading the cults as like inherently negative harmful harmful I, I don't know if i would say harmful to to me like like the the rajneeshi was seemed like a relatively positive thing right until it was like, hey, we're going to spray some salmonella on the food in restaurants, <laughs> right? But but that's when you reach this line of like unquestioning obedience where it's like up until that point, like you're living in a community, you're treating everyone nicely, you're following whatever these tenants are that I have no idea what they are. Right. But then you get into like some morally questionable stuff or whatever. And it's like, instead of being, instead of being skeptical of that, you're just like, well, this is what so-and-so is telling me to do. So I've got to do it. So, yeah, I think that that's the, that's the, the, the difference I was trying to establish is that this idea that cult is exclusive to religion which is why I would go. I would go against that. Yeah, I don't think it's exclusive to religion. Yeah, I think. But I, I think, don't think you can apply it to something like socialism or veganism. I think you can apply it to people or figures. Yeah, yeah, but but I guess what I was trying to say was like you know again I'm not into the the vegan culture, so I can't. But you know I'm thinking about people who you know uh, I couldn't hear about paleo. Without hearing about this one guy who was like, 
doing the paleo teachings or whatever. And, and paleo, when that was big, seemed to be filtered down to one guy or the, or the South beach diet. Mm -hmm. Like that was one guy. And it's like, people are like freaking out about this guy or Tony Robbins, right? He's just a speaker, but like he can show up in a room. People can just like fall over themselves and faint and cry. And you know, all this stuff like these ideas of people getting fixated on figures or, or objects. It happens everywhere. You know, it happens with companies. How many times have you seen people, whether they're customers or people who work for like a company because they like Apple is it like, you know what I mean? Um, that, that is again, cult adjacent cult ish mm-hmm. cult like, you know? Sure. <clears throat> and, but I will go one further and say that it not, it, it is not necessarily inherently a bad thing. It's a human thing. We sure. group together, right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we like group think we like other people to agree with us. We're all looking for answers, right? Some of us get answers in the things we buy and some people get answers in, you know, something they found in history or whatever else. Like I, I, I reject this idea that, you know, somebody w- would say like a religious mind is in any way a more captive mind than, you know, the free enlightened I'm not, you know, I have no strings. Look at me. It's like, it's like Ricky Gervais. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? At some point it's like, you are, you're a puppet of another system screaming about how you're, how you have no strings. It's like, you, you totally do, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So one thing I want to get your opinion on is, is, uh, I can't remember now At, at the end, it becomes a, it, it becomes a bit about who was leading this thing the whole time, right? Was it the Bhagwan giving all these orders? Was it his idea to uh, spray the salmonella or to d- d- dump blended up beavers into the water supply? <laughs> or right? Or was it Sheila? Is was it Sheila's? And of course, they're 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 they blame each other. Um. And to me, that also, I guess, played into not really knowing what these people believed anyway, like what the whole thing was about anyway. Did, did you have a reading on that or do you feel like it was like a combination of the two or because they also say, I think in the beginning or maybe in like the second episode, they left, they had to leave India for ultimately the same stuff that they ended up doing in yeah. America, which was yeah. like arson, attempted murder, and all this other stuff. So well, yeah, it kind of seemed like a racket that they had going. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's it's hard because we only know what we were presented with, you know, obviously. Um, but, no, my my take was, so, again, it's just that the analogies are too clear. Bhagwan, he loved material goods, right? Yeah. Rolls Royces, that watch that that, that he got. He, uh, oh, the the one thing that made me laugh out loud at the end when they decide to flee the country, Mm -hmm. they're like, they loaded up the plane with 15 followers, a bunch of, you know, money and goods and his throne. (laughs) and the throne isn't even that like good but you realize in his mind like 
this throne, like th- this is my throne, you know, and it has to go with him. So, you know, he is just trying to amass some material wealth and get through life. I, I wanted to hear more of his voice. I wish that they had some like secret recordings because mm-hmm. I wanted him to like in a back room, talk like the baby from Roger Rabbit, just like light up a cigar, you know, or and I just felt like every time he went silent, you know, he's like, I just don't want to freaking deal with you yeah. people. Like, yeah. I'm just going to be silent, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if he got backstage and was like, all right, we need, you know, this many more. I, I want that wife and that wife and that one, bring mm-hmm. them to me. Cause he also had multiple wives. Where'd he get those from? Right. He's right. probably pointing them out. So I think he has some intentionality of of the badness, but I think largely he is a Trump figure where he is just like, I want more, I want this, whatever else. And then people are just giving it to him, you know, and he's not really caring how or why. I mean, once Sheila leaves, look how quickly that, that commune crumbles. Yeah, see, that's why I was putting it more on Sheila, though. Yeah, than, because than he, he wasn't. Like she, to me, she is the Trump figure because mm, she's the one. Out. No, she's making it. She's like the. Who would that be in Trump? Trump's cabinet. That's I mean, Trump. She's getting all the attention. She's the one constantly speaking out. She's the one doing everything. He seems like I don't think he's compl- I don't think he's innocent by any stretch right. of the imagination. But to me, she seemed to love being in the spotlight in the position she was in and i don't at all believe that he's some mastermind in the background uh figuring out how to uh skew the population numbers to overtake the city council no no, i think that that's largely her right which was one thing i actually loved about her and about their whole uh experiment was that they're able to take these, uh, you know, core sort of heartland country beliefs of Second Amendment and uh, oh, <laughs> and yeah. religion in schools, yeah. right, and turn it on its head and sort of throw it back in their face, right? I thought that was great. Yeah. Well, it it also it's amazing how little people ever reflected on you know, how this may have felt for, you know, other people who are maybe dispossessed of their land and felt like it was unfair. Um, You know, part of it too, I thought it was funny. Like, I don't think that people should discount the fact that in this small town, people were upset and furious but a bunch apparently took money and exactly. ran when they got exactly. like, you know what I mean? They're just like, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I thought like that was funny too. That's exactly how it would happen here. Right. People would be like, America, America. Yeah. You know, if somebody came by, I was like, Hey, I'll give you like full asking price plus some right. for your house. It's like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just... yeah. It had a bit of that thing where it's so well edited and it's like so well made Mm -hmm. and it's so well constructed that I started to think this is fake, right? Like this is all made up Yeah. because it, and so that makes me think that they play, they have to have played around with like the timeline a a little bit. Totally. Because every episode does end with one of those moments where it's like, like this, the very second episode ends with 
archival footage of Rajnishi of Rajnishis with semi-automatic rifles like walking down a hallway yeah. and you're thinking like holy cow they're gonna like go shoot some people up and that is just like not addressed i mean yeah. it's addressed in that they're arming themselves the, the, but like you never get a conclusion to that shot yeah the the timeline there's some intrigue going on with the um uh, what was what was his name again the bogwan the guru yeah the bogwan mm. There's some palace intrigue with the Bogwan. I can't really remember. I think it was like Sheila started getting like on the outs of of him or whatever, and the Salmonella thing, mm-hmm. and a um like a, an investigation of their property and uh and the upcoming vote. That whole timeline, I was like, there's no way this all happened exactly. in this right. small yeah, space yeah. of time. I mean, there's too much going on. Right. You guys have just kind of said like. These are going on, and we're condensing the timeline. Because, yeah, there, there, there are points where I was like, there's no way all of this happened in, like, two – it's, like, two weeks, you know, before the vote, and then, like, two months' worth of stuff happens, and you're like, mm-hmm. uh, okay. So, a lot of this stuff sort of comes to a head when the Rajnishi start buying up the local businesses in the town. Yeah. And they buy a hotel. And then a bomb goes off in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And I got the impression, or at least like a lingering feeling, that it was going to be revealed that the Rajnishis, the did. Rajnishis did that bomb, set that bomb off as an excuse to sort of yeah. go full bore into this town, right? With whatever antics they wanted to. But it, that's never, it's, oh, it's just never mentioned. Like, never did you mentioned. get that same feeling? Yeah. Because it's it just like a bomb goes off, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah. And it's never followed up on. Well, you never get a sense of like, did people die in it? Exactly. And what? But even then, it's just like, it wasn't like, like they don't even give you suspects. They're yes. not even like, we thought it was this guy from town or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like it is just a purely a plot device. Right. What do you think of... One of, I guess, one of the main town guys, the bigger, older, slow talk, the guy who's on the board with the Rajneeshis. Oh, the guy with the dump or whatever? Yeah, where he like went there and found like some documents. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, about the townspeople is they never explicitly say anything racist. But you know they're racist, right? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get before, yeah. That was another thing that I thought was strange that I don't know if, like, maybe I'm just being way judgmental of these people and it's just not there. Like, they never came out and said anything about, like, brown people or whatever. But without that moment, I also don't know why they were so upset about them being there in the first place. Yeah. Because, like, they showed up. And built this compound that was like outside. Like the original argument was that they're upset because what should have been farmland was now their compound. But it's like it was like not their farmland, right? Like nobody was using it. Well, yeah. It, well, it, it again goes back to like those people end up end up selling to. And yeah, and no one was using it. They 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 actually like. It looked great. It's insane. The, what they after, do. Yeah, what they do. It's totally insane. Like yeah. so that that was amazing. Um, I think w- they mentioned this in the documentary too. Jonestown had just happened. Oh yeah, so maybe or, that's it. I think Jonestown was a big thing. 
Plus, there was that movie that played in town with the sex oh, stuff. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was really Here, weird. Here's the thing, though. Like, that that's the thing that I don't. I don't get like, and again, I think it goes back to like what makes a cult like a negative, destructive thing and not an identification of people around an idea, object or whatever, mm-hmm. which again, as, as we've determined can happen around like a filmmaker, you know, I'm a disciple of mm-hmm. Scorsese, you know, um, but at no point, like at what point do these people lose sight of so two things number one if we show allow someone to see what we're doing in here they're going to think it's weird yeah Mm -hmm. but like people who participated in that uh documentary like let the guy film right uh you know number two that when sheila starts exerting control over the town and they're literally patrolling it with their own like police force and guns Mm -hmm. Do they ever look at each other and go, it's, this is a far cry from, uh, you know, getting naked and humping each other right. like in a sweaty room. Hyperventilating. Hallucinate and then and having a giant orgy. orgy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're using the iconography of the system that they probably in many ways like deplore Mm -hmm. but because it's for power like it becomes okay Mm -hmm. and there's a lack of reflection of the rajneeshis in this documentary on any of that stuff to the point where like you know sheila can say like oregon you should be proud of you know the opera that we brought to your state Mm -hmm. and you know you're welcome kind of stuff it's like you infected people with salmonella mm-hmm. like that is not like a opera mm-hmm. you know um you drugged thousands of homeless people <laughs> that's the uh, that's the thing that that, that got me is yeah. like oh also when did the term street people become yeah. like the parlance of the day i never realized that homeless people were one time widely referred to as street people, street people. Um, but yeah, no, the, the, the drugging of the, of the homeless people was outrageous to me. And, and again, never addressed or seen as like a, yeah, that was a big, that was a big no, no. Yeah. That was one thing that really bothered me about the, the whole documentary is that it doesn't feel like there's, uh, yeah, Bobby Charles has a song called Street People, which is a great song, but I never realized. I guess that's about homeless people. Yeah. <laughs> but that's one thing that they they don't I don't know. I don't know if it's just a matter of because they had so they obviously had so much material to work with. But they don't like confront anybody on anything, even the townspeople. They don't there's no pushback on like why didn't you like them in your town? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the reason? Mm -hmm. Like, we know it's not just because they weren't using farmland to farm. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And, and it's like, like I kept expecting every single time there's another revelation. Yes. We drugged thousands of homeless people. So they would stop attacking the people in town. Mm -hmm. We sprayed salmonella on the local salad bars to try and make people sick so they couldn't vote. 
and there's never a moment where they're interviewing Sheila and she has to come to terms with that. Yeah. There's never that moment. The only time they come even close to it is um, the woman who injected something into the doctor. And that's really only because she had to actually go to jail for that. Right. But even then, and I think the biggest uh, grievance of this isn't Sheila. It's the lawyer. Because he spends this entire documentary fawning head over heels for the Bhagwan, for the religion, for the whole thing. You can tell he just is bought into it wholesale. And I kept expecting him to have to reconcile with these bad things that they did. And he never does. Yeah. He never has to acknowledge poisoning people. Right? He never has to acknowledge <laughs> grinding up beavers to try and poison <laughs> a water supply. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, part of me wonders how, you know, clued into that stuff he, he may have been. I mean, he had to have. He yeah. had to yeah. have known. He yeah. was their lawyer at one point. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it definitely, maybe they pushed and they just got the most, like, general denial. Yeah generic you know kind of feedback loop but you know yeah so what'd you think of the documentary overall yeah with that being said like i like i said earlier it's 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 super good i mean mm -hmm. if you just want to approach it from like a story perspective it's it's really interesting like i said it's six and a half hours long so it's long but it's like it's worth it it doesn't ever feel like they're stretching it out, you know, yeah. at least to me it didn't. Well, I mean, the first episode is a little uh, bland, but I think that's just because they had to, like, take that episode to establish who everybody was. Mm -hmm. And like I said, because their, like, beliefs are so vague, I just felt like there wasn't much to it. But once you get past that, it's really good. And it is, like, like I said, ev pretty much every single episode leads builds up to this moment where you're just like you think like you're you're finally going to deal with the fallout of something and they just do something crazier yeah and maybe that's why they don't ever have to reconcile with it but that that was the only sort of downside to it and i will say two bill callahan songs in one <laughs> series listen i i have to say i'll take it yeah i love love um bill, bill callahan i love the album that um apocalypse yeah. right mm -hmm. um i did not put it together until they played the song oh i didn't either wild wild country no i didn't either was based on a song and as soon as i was like uh there it is yeah uh, yeah That's as soon as i heard it, i was like i'm so stupid yeah for not ever especially after they play they the end one the first episode with a bill callahan, callahan song. song exactly <laughs> so no, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, it did get me thinking like, you know, again, the, these people who are casting stones of this cult. Yeah. Check your own cult. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, one, 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 one final de detraction. It, I guess it's not even a detraction. It's just something that struck me as strange is that the, 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 the music that they, the, 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 
the like original mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. that they sort of soundtracked to the documentary I thought was great. They had a couple Bill Callahan songs. They had a Kevin Morby song. Uh, that stuff I thought worked really well and fit the tone of the documentary really well. Right. But then you had more orchestral stuff, orchestral stuff. You had more uh, score that I feel like is kind of unfair or it's like it's it I feel like it it just gives an emotional bent to the documentary that shouldn't be present in documentaries so when you have the lawyer talking about some sort of accomplishment he thinks he has when they're founding the city like I have no problem with that, but then when you pair that with like an emotional, like building score behind him, I feel like you're no longer letting me decide mm-hmm. whether this is a good thing or not. And you're saying this is a great thing that he's doing, and that was my biggest problem with the ending. You get like 15 minutes of that, <laughs> of people being nostalgic for this thing, which I'm fine with, right? Let those people be nostalgic. That's their experience, and I'm watching this to know what their experience yeah. is, but don't then put this like hallmarky building score in the background. That's like making me feel like I'm running across the finish yeah. line. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that to me, it, it puts a, it puts a, a bent to it that shouldn't be present in a documentary. It feels like it should be more of a, a, like a feature fit like a like a narrative fictional film or even like a retelling or whatever yeah i i um i'll give my hot take on that i think that is a uh you know you hear it a lot in people talking about like uh films and they say like oh the director didn't trust their audience when they just start explaining everything for them Mm -hmm. um and i think that that may have been a point of them not trusting the audience that we had six hours of both sides of this thing. And we understand that, you know, the, the townspeople may have been motivated by not the most altruistic, you know, intentions. And in the end, they wanted to say like, remember all the good stuff they did. Doesn't that complicate it? Mm -hmm. Let's not forget the good stuff, you know? Uh, And and I, I feel like they were too much trying to end by both sides in it when mm-hmm. they had done an amazing job of just nuanced, you know, nu- nuancedly reflecting, you know, what happened. And the other thing that I want to uh, give the filmmakers is they got interviews with the people. Yeah. Which... I didn't realize how much I missed after I re- you know, reflected that a lot of documentaries that I've seen recently have used like archival footage. Right. And that has the veneer of being more objective. But then you realize like, oh, they're editing. You know I mean? Like they're yeah. editing this footage together. Right. Like I am in some ways more susceptible to, you know, this filmmaker, which is one reason why. I hated the documentary montage of heck about Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Cause I just felt like that was like this guy given a ton of footage and just 
pulling out his version of yeah. Kurt Cobain. I was like, right. I don't want to see this guy's version of Kurt Cobain. Right. You know what I mean? Right. This is this is not a documentary about Kurt Cobain. This is a documentary telling us what you who you think Kurt Cobain is. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. you could shape out of all this right. footage. A lot of it probably wasn't even usable. And you're like, uh, it's got to be 90 minutes, yeah. you know? So, yeah, like crap like that. There are times that that works depending on what you're doing. But sometimes it does feel like a little shortcutty to be like, you know, here, they obviously had to go around the world to get these people. Some of them probably took a little more convincing than others, but mm-hmm. they waited till they got, you know, all the key players to, to paint this picture. I thought that that worked really well, too. Uh, you know, when they got Sheila, for, for, for instance, uh, or her disciple, the other lady who stabbed the doctor, mm-hmm. which... The way they handled the doctor stuff, yeah, completely bizarre. Yeah. He gets stabbed, and then like you don't find out until like two episodes later that he lived, right. and you don't even get the sense that he had like really adverse effects. Right. It, it seems like the worst thing was getting stabbed with a needle, but right. then after that, you know, yeah. he got a little dizzy. But yeah, you know, by all it. accounts, she could have just been like, "Yeah, the needle was actually empty. I just." We for we botched the whole. Thing. It, it would have been worse had she just sneezed in his face, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's definitely a highly recommended for me. Just because of the the story itself. The story is yeah. so crazy that it's just worth watching. Right. Okay, anything else? Uh no, I mean, we didn't get to talk a lot about Franklin Jones, but maybe maybe we should wait for it to be over. Sure. And talk, are you enjoying it? Yeah, so far. Yeah. Só tenho medo da falseta, mas adoro a Julieta como adoro.